Well, good morning. That didn't sound that enthusiastic. Are you glad? There you go. Are you glad to be here this morning? I am. Not only in the house of God, I'm glad to be here this morning. I opened up my weather app this morning to the place our kids live where we used to live in Wisconsin. Negative four. Wind chill, negative 20. Next Wednesday, high temperature, negative 12. Low temperature, negative 22. Wind chill, negative 50. So we appreciate this, don't we? We're going to continue this morning in our Perfectly One series. And again, the whole focus of this series is establishing for us as a church body our main focus for this year. And that is, as you just saw in the scripture, as Jesus prayed the night before he died, that all of his followers, all of those who came to faith and trust in him would be united as one, perfectly one, so that the world could see the reality of who Jesus is and understand the power of his love being expressed through us. And so we're going to continue this series in a number of different points. Last week, you'll remember that Alex actually taught about the need for prayer and for us a congregation to pray together and he summed it up with this statement he said if we are to be perfectly one we need to be praying together for the good of the church and the good of the gospel so the first step we need to do is if our heart's desire is to obey and to become one is we need to be beseeching God for that we need to be on our knees we need to be joined together with this plea to heaven that God would release what he needs to release in us and through us that we can be one. How many of you believe that division is one of the worst things that can happen in the church? Absolutely, right? We see it in the world, in politics and economics and all of those areas. But in the church that's supposed to be the counterculture to the world, when we exhibit division and we allow ourselves to be separated, we fail to live up to this high calling that Jesus has given us. We fail to be able to be a true representation of him. And so we begin by humbling ourselves, praying the prayer of repentance, and again asking God to make us truly one. But today what I want to do is add this truth to that truth, and that's this. If we are to be perfectly one, we also need to be growing together for the good of the church and for the good of the gospel. Today and next week in a two-part teaching, what I want to talk about is how we grow as individuals, but also as a corporate body, the body of Christ. So there's two areas that we're going to look at. We're going to look at growing in our personal faith, how I learn to imitate the ways of Jesus in my life, but then also growing in our corporate expression of the reality of the goodness and the love of God, because there's a hungry and hurting world that needs the followers of Jesus to be Jesus. And so we're going to examine those two things. And you know me, usually when I teach, I love to start off with some kind of funny joke, some humorous illustration, maybe a, a point in video or two. But today, honestly, I would be absolutely remiss if I did not take a moment to honor the passing of one of my great heroes in the Christian faith this week, someone who embodied everything that I want to teach about today and next week. 
I would have to say this person out of anyone that I have ever known best demonstrated the self-giving, others-centered, unifying love of God. The fact that she happened to be my mother makes saying goodbye all the harder. Here's a, a picture of her. Unfortunately, the computer's being a little obstinate, but this picture was taken a little over a month ago on her 92nd birthday. A beautiful woman inside and out. If you want to say, just do this. <laughs> my brother and some of my family are here today, and I appreciate that. And he said, well, that's kind of the position she's in now, <laughs> at least in bodily form. <laughs> my mom wasn't perfect. Nobody is, right? But she spoke and she acted more like Jesus than anybody I have ever met. And, and just like Jesus, she had that rare but oh so attractive ability to make everyone she met feel special and cared for. Have you ever known anybody like that? You know what I'm talking about? And I'm not saying just to people who she loved and people who loved her. She could make anyone a friend within minutes. One of the most touching things this week has been the reaction of the staff at Avondale Brightview over on Ring Factory Road where they've lived the last eight years. Anyone from a waitress in the dining room all the way up to the executive director has come and said how mom has impacted her life and their lives. And it's just so touching. You know, because they're, they're little things that you don't see on a day-by-day, but it's the legacy that she actually left. And what a beautiful representation of Christ that is. Because if there's anything the gospel shows us, it's that everyone was welcome and felt loved in the presence of Jesus. Much more so even than the dogma and the doctrines that grow up around the teachings of Jesus it's the character of Jesus that matters most. That's what he's called us to imitate. And that's what I believe my mom imitated so well. The place that I first saw the true depth of her love and her faith in Jesus was actually when I attended a church prayer meeting with her as a young boy. And I went several times. It was different from what I saw in everybody else on Sunday morning. It was a different spirit, if you will. And through the years, I watched her faith grow deeper and deeper and deeper right up until the end. The best compliment I can give my mom today, I think, is this. My mom finished well. And Jesus would have each of us dedicate our lives to finishing well. If we can maintain the passion that we have when we first come to faith in him, and increase it and increase it and increase it. We don't have to program or worry about anything in the church. We will just be what Christ wants us to be. But we have to grow. We can't stay where we are. And growth is about transformation. And transformation is about change. Transformation demands change. And change is never easy, is it? Change is a difficult thing for us to undertake. And so the first key question that we have to ask ourselves at this point is, is this. Do I want to grow my spiritual life of faith in Jesus Christ, and am I dedicated enough to make that kind of change happen? 
okay, maybe that's two questions. But if the answer in your heart is yes, I do want to grow. I do want my spiritual life to become more robust. I am dedicated to do whatever it takes to make change happen. Then let's talk about the process. Let's talk about how we can allow God to work in us and cooperate with his spirit to be transformed, to be changed, to grow spiritually. I think, I believe there's four things that are necessary to make change happen. And if I were on Sesame Street, I'd tell you that this sermon today is brought to you by the letter C. (laughs) The first thing is conviction that the change is for the better, right? It, It comes out of this idea that, you know, I'm just really not all that I can be, or I'm not really experiencing in this life of faith all that I really believe God has for me. And so we become convicted that God has better. We become convicted that we can grow, that we can undergo a transformation that ultimately will wind up putting us in a position of being in a deeper, more passionate relationship with Jesus and have a greater love and willingness to serve the world around us. So we get a conviction that changes for the better. Second, we need to have the confidence that the change is attainable, that it's something that we actually can get to, something that we actually can reach. Sometimes we want to change what we don't think we can get there, right? Let me assure you that God who created you, the Father who cares for you, has promised us that his very purpose of working in our lives is to conform us to the likeness of his son Jesus, it tells us in Romans chapter 8. God's desire for you is to be like Jesus. So if our desire is that that's the better thing for us and we have that conviction, then please have the confidence as well to know that that change is attainable. Because if God is for us, who can be against us, right? Thirdly, we need the courage to initiate the change. We might want to see it happen. We might believe that we actually can get there, but we got to get off the couch, so to speak. We need the courage to face a tough challenge and say, yes, I will. And lastly, we need the commitment to press on until the change happens, right? Because that's the one that tends to catch us the most. We all tend to make good starts in things. And we all tend to put in some level of effort. And we all have some courage to begin. But we don't all have the commitment to press on until the change happens. Sometimes we just don't feel like going that far. Sometimes we don't really believe that we can. But here's the good news. I would tell you that I think the Apostle Peter knows what he's talking about, right? When you think of the life of Peter and his interaction with Jesus, he kind of has this up and down and up and down kind of relationship, right? He says some brilliant things and then does some of the stupidest things there. But as he gets to the end of his life, as he gets to the goal of his relationship with Jesus, he begins to give us some tremendously powerful wisdom. 
and some good news. So in 2 Peter 1.3, the last letter that we know that he wrote, it says this, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need. Let's repeat that. God has given us what? Everything we need for living a godly life. So we lack nothing. We have received all this by coming to know him. Repeat that with me. Coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So God has given us everything we need. That's kind of a great explanation of the theological word grace. Everything that we have received by, from God, we receive by grace, out of his goodness, out of his desire for us to have it. And then we grow and receive this by coming to know him, by having a more and more intimate relationship with God. So he gives us things, but then he also gives us himself. And both of those things are crucial in our spiritual formation and development. Because Peter then goes on to caution us later in the letter. He says in chapter 3, verse 18, you must, must, must grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some of you have been told that if you say a certain prayer and confess your sins, then your passage to heaven is guaranteed. And that discipleship, the willingness to follow, the willingness to grow, is kind of like an added option. You know, it's kind of like buying a car. You buy the car, but the question then becomes, do you want this, 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 and this feature added? Let me tell you, let me assure you that that is not the Christianity of the scriptures. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ is about loyalty and allegiance and trust. And it is an understanding that God has brought you to himself. He has called you to himself. He has given you the grace. He has given you himself. And he says, now grow in it. Because you'll hear me say this often. If it were really about going to heaven, if that was, was God's first and only intent for us, then when you said that prayer, you would have gone right on up. Your own personal rapture. But he's left us here. And he's left us here for a reason. He's left us here to fulfill the mission he had for his people all along, going all the way back into the Old Testament to Abraham and the Israelites. And the mission is this. Our mission, church, Generation Church and Big Church, is this. We are here to make God known on the earth, to live in his ways, to live in and through and by his grace, and knowing him so that we can make it possible for others to know him. That's why we're here. That's what the Christian faith really is all about. So you must grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not optional. If you're not growing in your Christian faith, you are dying. It's blunt, but it's true. The trouble, see, the trouble with having something given to us like grace, having something available to us, and then actually taking advantage of it are really two separate issues, aren't they? Let me, let me give you two words. Gym membership. 
How many of you have a gym membership? How many of you use your gym membership? That's good. That's a pretty good percentage. Let me bring it home a little bit more. How about exercise equipment in your house? How many of you use the exercise and your equipment in your house? I'm not talking about as a clothes hanger. <laughs> Having something available and taking advantage of it are not necessarily the same thing. It's January 27th. How many of you made a New Year's resolution of some sort? Three weeks in, are we still going strong? Praise God. Excellent. I hate the word resolution, by the way. I like to call them intentions. That's <laughs> my intention. But good for you if you're still doing it. And, and keep that end game in sight. The reason that you set your course, follow through. See, the Apostle Paul encourages us with this statement. When he's writing to Timothy, he says this in 1 Timothy 4.8. He says, physical training is good. Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So great that you use your gym membership. Great that you work out on your piece of equipment. That'll give you many benefits in this life. But better that we also put the same effort, the same discipline into our spiritual lives, becoming godly. How do we do that? How is it that we train for godliness? Well, first of all, we have to willingly engage the process of spiritual formation. We have to put forth the effort that allows the Holy Spirit to make us look like Jesus, to make us think like Jesus, act like Jesus, speak like Jesus. We have to put in the effort. Faith is not a passive thing. It isn't a one-time belief. It is a lifestyle. Discipleship is what we're after. It's what Jesus called us to. But discipleship takes discipline. See the parallel between the words? See what, see what we did there? Yeah, it takes discipline, just like going to the gym, just like deciding that we want to transform our bodies. In order to transform our spirits, we have to put in the effort. But the benefits are so worth it. What God has planned for you, what God has planned for Generation Church, what God has planned for the body of Christ is beyond what we can even ask or imagine. That's why he called us together. We look around sometimes at our lives and we go, me? Or we look around at church and go, you? <laughs> yes, precisely. There's a passage in Scripture that I believe talks more beautifully about the unity that this whole Perfectly One series is designed around than any other. And it's found in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, beginning in chapter 4, verse 3. I want us to take a few minutes and really just chew through this passage. It says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. Every effort, not partial effort, not half-hearted effort, but make every effort to keep yourselves united. And united how? Not by politics, not by theology, but united by the Spirit of God. Jesus, when we come to faith, gives every one of us his Spirit. 
the same spirit that animated him and empowered him for ministry on the earth, he has given to us. That was the promise. And that's what Pentecost is all about. Spirit comes to believers. So in that spirit, we are able to overcome everything else that creates a distinction and a division between us. If we are willing to put in the effort to keep ourselves united by that spirit. That means we have to love more than we care about our political thoughts, our economic status, our race, any of those things. We make every effort to stay united. And here's why. Here, this, is, this is what we have in common. This is what unity in the body of Christ is really based on. It's not based, again, on the fact that we all look the same, think the same. It's based on this. He says, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all and in all and living through all. That's what Christian unity is all about. It's not conformity. It's not the church leadership telling you, you must do this, 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 this. You must think this way, this way, this way. The unity that God is after actually celebrates the diversity that he has in his children because that one spirit runs through all of us like a thread, but it is expressed in the beauty of our personalities and the sharing of our experiences, which are unique to every one of us. We should celebrate those things, not divide over those things. Race, economics, politics, these are things that the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy likes to push to the forefront and see, says, see, see, you're not like that person. You're better than that person. But when we recognize God's intention and the power of God's spirit, then we become united. He goes on to say, however, he has given to each one of us. We're one in all of those areas, but he's given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Again, he's talking about grace here. And that's why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. That's the glory. Now, those, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. So here he's going to tell us about the purpose of church leadership. He says he gave us the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, and teachers. There's a lot of theological debate for a lot of years as to what those terms mean. But just think of them this morning for our purposes as church leadership. Their responsibility, it says, is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So when God calls people into leadership in the church, their function is not about their ego and their personality. The function of church leadership is to help you grow, to do whatever is necessary to help you as individuals and us as the body of Christ to accomplish the work that God has for us and to build us up, to unify us, to strengthen us, and to make us the people 
he wants us to be. And then here's the goal. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So in other words, this doesn't end until we look just like Jesus. Turn to the person next to you. Do they look like Jesus? Yeah, they do, somewhat, right? So we got some more work to do, don't we? We have some more growing. We have some more transformation. We have some more spiritual formation that's necessary in our lives. That means we're all on the same journey. And if we're all on the same journey, we have a choice. We can either row the boat together or we can row at odds with each other. I'll never forget the first time I ever went, <laughs> I ever went canoeing. This isn't even you. Amy and I have another story. That wasn't the first time. The first time I ever went canoeing, I was with a friend down in Florida, and we were canoeing and winding up going in circles because we weren't rowing in sync. Sometimes I feel like that's what's happening to the church, right? We're just going around and around in circles. That's not his purpose. That's not his plan for us. So he tells us we've got to keep rowing united in the same direction until we come up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So we keep working. He says, then we, won't, we will no longer be immature like children. You ever think your children are immature? You ever do any immature things? Now imagine you're God our Father in heaven looking down. Six billion immature people on the face of the earth. Yet he still loves us passionately. But they will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. There's a lot of that out there. A lot of what itching ears want to hear, the way the Bible describes it. But we won't be falling for that. We won't be susceptible to putting a religious veneer really on our own interest. We'll actually hear and we'll actually follow the voice of the good shepherd. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. See, in growing, we gain discernment. In growing, we gain wisdom. In growing, we learn how to hear and obey God's voice. Instead, he says, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, his church. He makes the whole body fit together, how? Perfectly. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So if it's really our desire, if you really believe that God has called us and you're ready to join us in this pursuit of being perfectly one, it's right here. Everything we need to know, everything we need to understand about the process of transformation and spiritual growth is explained to us right here. We do our own special work individually. We help other parts grow by sharing our lives so that the whole body becomes healthy. People in the world are looking for a healthy church.
they want to see people who aren't perfect, but people who have joy in a joyless world, people who have hope in a hopeless world, people who have each other in a lonely world. That's what we're called to. That's what God's asked us to do. That's what he's made powerful in our lives and through our lives. So God, help us. Help us to keep this beautiful image of the united, powerful, life-changing church deep in our hearts and help us to commit to these things. Help us to commit wholeheartedly to making it a reality by letting your spirit change us into Jesus. Yes? So here's, here's what I want to share today about my role. As you know, at the beginning of the year, Alex has asked me to come on board as one of the pastors here at Generation. And my role, think of it this way. My role is to be a personal trainer for you. Not physically. Trust me. <laughs> but to be a personal trainer for your spiritual formation. I am here as a resource if you desire to grow spiritually. That's the only reason I'm here. And I think there's four areas of spiritual formation in particular that I want to help you focus on. And between today and next week, we're going to look at these four, but I'll list them for you right now. The first one is character. The second is creativity. The third is connection. And the fourth is compassion. Keeping with the gym theme, Look at it this way. The first two are your individual training, where you go and you are on the machine by yourself or doing whatever it is you do by yourself. The second two are kind of group exercise classes. And God is asking us to engage in both of those, and God is desirous of us to have a spirit willing to submit to these disciplines, willing to, to grow, willing to be hungry to grow, so that we can become what he's called us to be. Honestly, it's the only reason I'm here. It's the only reason that I've been put in this position. And I promise you, I will give you everything I have to help you go as far as you desire to go in becoming like Jesus Christ. I have time. I have resources. I have experience. I'm not a perfect person. I'm not trying to make you like me. I want to help you become like Jesus. So let me give you, we'll save the breakout of those four until next week. and Talk a little bit more about how we can actually grow in character, creativity, connection, and compassion. But let me share with you my contact information. Because I'll be waiting for your call or your email, or your Facebook message. My name is misspelled, but I am not Cheers. I am Chris. <laughs> you can call me anything you want. My email, church email, is chris at thisgen.com. So if you are curious about taking this step, if you are... Uh, 
if you just want to engage in a beginning conversation to kind of say, okay, well, what is this going to look like? Email me. Be happy to answer. And, and let me just say this. The, the goal here for you as an individual is only to help you take the next step. That's, if, if at the end of 2019, you can look back on your spiritual life and say, I can see that I took a step this year, then I will feel like I have done what God has called me to do. So that means wherever you are in your faith, you may be a person here today who really wouldn't call themselves a Christian yet. You might be interested in examining the claims of Jesus. You might be trying to figure out whether this is something that you really want to get involved with. Let's have a conversation. Maybe you're, you've been a Christian for a while, but you feel like your faith is really floundering. You really lost a lot of the passion that you once had. A lot of that energy and excitement about being a disciple of Jesus has just kind of worn off. And you just need somebody to help fan the flame back in so it's burning bright. Let's talk about that. Maybe you've been a Christian a long, long time and you're personal relationship is doing really, really well with Jesus, but you're like, I, I don't know where I fit in. I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. What kind of ministry I should involve myself in. Let's have that conversation. Let's talk about what you dream about. Let's talk about what you think God has stuffed inside of you. Because there's nothing that gives me joy more than having a relationship with someone and being used by God to reach into a life and pull out things that you may not have even believed they were there. That's the most beautiful testimony I've, I've ever seen is when that happens in a person's life. And I pray all the time in my life, God, you use me that way. I want to I share in that fantastic joy of seeing a person come alive in Jesus. And I pray, Lord, I want to see our whole church come alive. So email me. If your preference is text, or if you're even one of those strange people in 2019 that actually talks on the phone, this phone number that you see, 410-652-1967, I have established it's not my personal cell. It is actually a generation church hotline. Okay? So I carry two phones. I'll give you my personal cell if you want my personal cell, but in areas related to what we're talking about right now, in areas of spiritual growth, that line is as good as open to you. Anytime you need it, text me, call me, and I'll get back to you. And then lastly, if you are one of the Facebook people, it's just backslash Chris Ruer. You can Facebook message me. However, all I'm saying is I'm available. I believe God has called Amy and I to this church for such a time as this. And I believe that he's stirring our spirits and sending forth his spirit because he wants to do something great in your life and our life this year. The need is out there. The God of power has given us grace and given us himself and asks us, will you take it? Will you grow? And will you give it away? Let's pray. I want us to pray 
together like we did last week. If you were here, as Alex taught, there's a need for us to be united in our prayers. So as we conclude, just stand with me. And join me, whether out loud or in your own spirit, as we pray this together. This is a prayer based on that passage of Ephesians 4 that we just read. Almighty Father, whose blessed Son before his passion prayed for disciples that they may be one, as you and he are one, grant that your church, being bound together in love and obedience to you, may be united in one body by the one Spirit, that the world may believe in him you have sent, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. God bless you. Thank you again for being here today. May God be with you this week as you go and serve him in love. And may others come to know the Jesus that you know as you extend your grace to the situations of their lives that need the grace of God. God bless you. Have a great week.